0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the
1: when Jacob did let go, Judah blossomed as a result of that. He was able to finally step up and say, hold on. This one's on me. I'm going to lead this family. I'm going to do what's right. So it's almost as if Jacob... Hadn't let go, Judah might not have been able to do that. Let go, trust the Lord. You might have a Judah in your life, and you're like, I don't know what's wrong with this kid or what's going to happen, but let go and just watch what the Lord can do.
0: Often we try to take control of our lives in ways that the Lord doesn't want us to. We dig deep and we power through when all He really wants is for us to let go. In today's message, Pastor James shows us what happens through Judah when Jacob lets go. Judah begins to take on the responsibilities that God wanted for him. He's in the line of Jesus, but it took years and many setbacks for him to be the man God wanted him to be. Is there a Judah in your life? Maybe their time to shine is just around the corner. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 43 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: See, when nonbelievers have to come into our lives to reaffirm to us how good God is, that can sometimes be a problem, okay? You might need to take a step back and say, like, okay, Lord, where are we at? Because I got these people who don't even believe in you telling me how good you are, reminding me of your faithfulness. Wait, I should be telling them. Sadly, that's not always the case, though, is it? Here's this manager. He's like, no, you're good, man. You're God. He, he took care of it. I know I received your payments what the new living translation says then he released Simeon and brought him out to them the manager then led them in into Joseph's palace he gave them water to wash their feet provided food for their donkeys and they were told they would be eating there so they prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon when Joseph came home he gave them uh they gave him the gifts that they had brought and they uh then bowed down low on the ground before him thus Again, confirming that the first visit they bowed down before him, and that was the dream Joseph had of his brothers would bow down before him, and they'd do it again here. So they all bow down before him, which was all customary. They, this was, you know, this is just what you did, especially to a high-ranking official. After greeting them, he asked, "How is your father, the old man you spoke about? Is he still alive? Yes, they replied. Our father, your servant, is alive and well. And they bowed low Again. Then Joseph looked at his brother Benjamin, the son of his own mother. Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about, who is probably around 23 years of age at this point in time, okay? May God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried from the room because he was overcome with emotion for his brother. Technically, in the Hebrew, what that means is he wanted so badly to embrace his little brother, That's what it, he was so overcome with emotion. He was so filled with joy. There's my little brother. We share the same dad. We share the same mom. There's my little brother. And I want so desperately to just, to cancel all this and just embrace my little brother. But he had to keep his cool. He had to keep his composure because again, he's run some tests on his brothers, but he still needs to figure out exactly where these guys are at. So he bails. He runs out of the room, just takes off. Um... It says he, he hurried from the room because he was overcome with emotion for his brother. He went into his own private room where he broke down and wept. After washing his face, he came back out, keeping himself under control. Then he ordered, bring out the food. The waiters served Joseph at his own table. So there's three tables. Joseph has his own table, his own food. His brothers were seated at a separate table. And the Egyptians who ate with Joseph sat at their own table because Egyptians despise Hebrews and refused to eat with them. Yeah, this whole thing has been from the very beginning, okay? This whole, like, one group of people is better than the other, it all goes back to the beginning. They didn't know how to solve it back then. We, we know the solution. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can really break through all the nonsense, whether it's racial or thinking one group's better than that. Jesus breaks through all that stuff. It's a level playing field with him. Men, women, we're all at the level, lo- the gro- what they say, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, Right? But even back here in Egypt, the Egyptians hated these guys. They despised these guys. And especially that, they, you know, that they're shepherds and all that stuff. We'll see that. You'll see that read through Moses' story. But they hated these guys. And actually, at the end of Genesis, we'll talk about that too. But, so you got the Egyptians, you got Joseph, and you got his brothers. Here's the crazy thing. Joseph told each brothers where to sit. And to their amazement, he seated them according to age from oldest to youngest, and they're all like, what in the world? Do you know the odds of that happening? It's like one in 40 million. His brother's like, who is this guy? Again, the alarm should have been going off of like, okay, he knows about our dad. He knew about Benjamin and he knows our birth order. They're just like me. They're probably like, Looking at the food and drooling, being like, man, can you believe where we're at? Like, wait, what? Birth order? What? Oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Whatever, but look at this food. I'm just totally distracted by other things. And Joseph filled their plates with food from his own table, giving Benjamin five times as much as he gave the others. So they feasted and drank freely. This would be another test on his brothers. If he gives Benjamin more than what they get, how would they respond? How would they respond? Will they respond with envy like they had concerning him? Would they mistreat their younger brother because he got more? See, he's testing these guys. Where are they at? When his brothers were ready to leave, Joseph gave these instructions to the palace manager. Fill each of their sacks with as much grain as they can carry and put each man's money back into his his sack. Then put my personal silver cup, or this diviner's cup, at the top of the youngest brother's sack. Along with the money for his grain. So the manager did as Joseph instructed. The brothers were up at dawn and were sent on their journey with their loaded donkeys. Like, they got their donkeys. They got extra stuff. They're going back home. But when they had gone only a short distance and were barely out of the city, Joseph said to his palace manager, chase after them and stop them. When you catch up with them, ask them, why have you repaid my kindness with such evil? Why have you stolen my master's silver cup, which he uses to predict the future? What a wicked thing you have done. So the palace manager catches up to these guys and he spoke to them just as, as he was instructed. What are you talking about? The brothers responded. We are your servants and would never do such a thing. Didn't we return the money we found in our sacks originally? They're like, we don't, hold on, something's not making sense here. We brought back, you know, all the way from the land of Canaan, we brought the money back. Why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If you find his cup with any one of us, let that man die. No, that's not smart, okay? That's not really a good idea. It'd be like, well, let's, let's search through the bags first, okay? Before we sentence anybody to death, they're like, no, we're totally, no, none of us would have stole from you. And all the rest of us, my Lord, will be your slaves. That's fair, the man replies, but only the one who stole the cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go free. Then they all quickly took their sacks from the, the backs of the donkeys, opened them up. The palace manager searched the brother's sacks from the oldest to the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's bag. When the brothers saw this, they tore their clothing in despair, it was going so well for them. But here's another test from, jo- from Joseph. Then they loaded their donkeys again and returned to the city. Joseph was still in his palace when Judah and his brothers arrived. Judah is taking the lead. And they fell to the ground before him. What have you done, Joseph demanded? Don't you know that, I, that a man like me can predict the future? Now, you need to understand this diviner's cup, he's not really using that to predict the future, okay? But this was something that they had. This was all customary and everything. Joseph is just using this cup as, a, as an example of like, hey, don't you know? I know what's going to happen. Now, Joseph set all this up. So of course he knows what's going to happen. He, he, he's planted this thing on them. Judah responds, Oh, my Lord, what can we say to you? How can we explain this? How can we prove our innocence? God is punishing us for our sins. My Lord, we have all returned to be your slaves, all of us, not just our brother who had your cup in his sack. No, Joseph said, I would never do such a thing. Only the man who stole the cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go back to your father in peace. And here is where Judah blossoms. Here's where he blossoms. Then Judah stepped forward and said, please, my Lord, let your servant say just one word to you. This is where he becomes, in essence, the leader of the family. It's been a long journey for Judah, and he's made some terrible mistakes. But it's in this moment where he steps up. This is leadership. Leadership rises up when it's needed, when it's absolutely Needed. None of the other brothers were going to step up. They couldn't, in one sense. Judah, Judah was going to be the guy who steps up and says, hold on, hold on, if I may have just a few words with you. He goes on to say, please don't be angry with me, even though you are as powerful as Pharaoh himself. I recognize your authority. I recognize your power. My Lord, previously you asked us, your servants, do you have a, a father Or a brother? And we responded, Yes, my lord. We have a father who is an old man, and his youngest son is a child of his old age. His full brother is dead. And he, Benjamin, is alone left of his mother's children, and his father loves him very much. And you said to us, Bring him here so I can see him with my own eyes. But we said to you, My lord, the boy cannot leave his father, for his father would die. But you told us, unless your youngest brother comes with you, you will never see my face again. So we returned to your servant, our father, and told him what you had said. Later on, when he said, go back and buy us more food, we replied, we cannot go unless you you let your youngest or let the youngest brother go with us. We'll never get to see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then my father said to us, as you know, my wife had two sons. Can you imagine how difficult this would be for Judah, whose mom was Leah, to have to retell this to Joseph himself, not knowing it's Joseph, but I mean, this is stuff that has all been buried down deep inside each and every one of them, to have to stand before this man and say, can I just tell you our story? Let me just expose to you how our family works. But Judah isn't doing this in any way to bash his dad. He actually is doing this out of love for his father. But he's not afraid to expose the ugliness of their family. But he says, you know, our our father says, um, my wife had two sons, and one of them went away and never returned. Doubtless, he was torn to pieces by some wild animal. That was the conclusion they allowed they allowed their dad to come to. I have never seen him since. Now, if you take away his brother or take his brother away from me and any harm comes to him, you will send this grieving, white-haired man to his grave. See, this is way more detailed of that conversation that just took place in 43. It wasn't just like, Jacob's like, no, listen, we can't. OK, well, if, let's take them if that's our only option. This is the detailed conversation that was happening between these two men. And, and Jacob's, letting, Jacob's letting Judah know, like, listen, dude, Benjamin's all I have. I lost my wife. I lost my son. I cannot lose my other son. If I do, I might as well be dead. He had been embracing and holding on to these things for so long. But verse 33, and now, my Lord, I cannot go back to my father without the boy. Our father's life is bound up in the boy's life. If he sees that the boy is not with us, our father will die. We, your servants, will indeed be responsible for sending that grieving white-haired man to his grave. My Lord, I guarantee to my father that I would take care of the boy. I told him, if I don't bring him back to you, I will bear the blame forever. So please, my Lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. For how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause my father. Total change. Total change. What's cool about this is Judah is looking more like Jesus than ever before. He says, listen, sir, man, this will be the thing that kills my dad. But you know what I'm willing to do? I'm willing to stand in Benjamin's place so that he may go free. I'll take the punishment for all of them so that they may be free. Judah stepped up big time. He's blossomed. He's bloomed. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's a, what a great transformation. In, in a, such a chaotic and messed up family. I mean, you got Joseph. Joseph is like legit. Joseph is awesome. I mean, he's just walking with the Lord and just sweet. It's cool as can be. But here, the rest of his family, we don't know much about Benjamin. We, don't, we have no clue like, where he's at in all the mix. But we know that the rest of his brothers are totally messed up. But finally, when needed most, Judah says, all right, enough with the nonsense. Enough. My dad, he's not thinking straight. He's not thinking right. He's just so focusing on himself, and when we're going to die, we're going to starve to death. If somebody doesn't step up and do something, and Judah was like, I'm, t- I'm stepping up. Dad, send him with me. You can trust me with him. And they get worked into this position, and it doesn't look good for them because, I mean, you know, all the brothers, I don't know if they were all willing to go back and offer themselves as slaves, but Judah for sure was the one who stepped up. The other ones probably would have been more like, oh, We'll, we'll take our chances with dad, right? Like, yeah, in fact, if our dad dies, well, then the inheritance is ours. And we'll split it out. We know that the, this was a lot of their character. They weren't the best of men. So if you think about it, some of these brothers may have been like, oh, Judah, hold on, dude. Dad kicks the bucket. We get everything. So it's fine. It wouldn't be unfair to think that that probably was a thought going through their brains, not Judas. Judas like, listen, we can't do this. This has to stop here. This news will kill my dad, and I cannot bear to see him crushed again. The first time it was my fault, and the first time it was a lot of Judas' fault, he was the guy who was like, you know what? Let's just get rid of him. And Judas is just owning up to it all, says, "Listen, man, we're here, standing before you in this mess because something that I did a long time ago. And I hurt my dad. I hurt that guy. I cannot do that again. Let me take Benjamin's place." Look at verse 145. Joseph couldn't stand it any longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants. Out, all of you. Get out. (laughs) So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. And he wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it carried, quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph. I'm Joseph, he says to his brothers. Is my father still alive? where's my dad? Where's my dad? Get my dad here. I'm Joseph. Now, you have to put yourself in this story. You have to be the fly on the wall watching their faces as this revolutionary news has just been dropped on them like a bomb. For 20-something years, these guys are like, Joseph's dead, man. And they're carrying around this guilt and all this stuff. And then Joseph's like, guys, surprise it's me i don't know what he did to like reveal himself in one sense i don't maybe he was wearing a hat maybe he was wearing glasses and he's like superman he takes them off and he's like whoa superman like oh, it's me it's joseph like i don't know what it was but it clicked and their response is is priceless but his brothers were speechless they were stunned to realize that joseph was standing there in front of them can you imagine the emotions the mixed emotions that were going on Number one, there's got to be like, there's, there's just this amazement. And then as you're processing all the stuff of like, wait, no, wait, you were dead, but now you're alive. And look at you. My, my goodness, you're, you're the man in Egypt. And then you got to process through the fact that like, I wonder if he's mad at us. Because <laughs> they'll, they'll even wrestle with that later on. They'll, they'll be like, man, I think he's going to get us. They still carried around that fear. But then I mean just this this eruption of emotions that would be happening of like you're you're Joseph. Dude, you're alive. This changes everything. This changes everything. I mean in one sense, it's like just thinking through the resurrection of even Jesus' followers. He told them, Listen, I'm going to die, but don't worry, you'll see me in a couple of days. It's cool. I'll be, we'll be all right. And they were like, Wait, you're going to die? But even when he showed up on Sunday, you know, it revealed himself to them, they were all like, Whoa, like, oh, you're alive. Yeah, I told you I was going to do that. But that just like living in that, that grief and, and just that understanding of like, man, Joseph's gone. But no, but now he's here and he's right in front of us. And it's amazing that, you know, and Joseph was testing his brothers and testing his brothers. And then finally, finally, Judah steps up and he's like, listen, man, we did a bad thing. We sinned. We sinned. We sinned against our dad, we sinned against our brother. We sinned, and we are here in this mess because of a mistake that I made. Put it all on me. Put it all on me. That was the thing for Joseph where he's like, game's over. Game's over. These guys are different. And for sure, Judah was different. Everything has changed. He's like, surprise, it's me. It's Joseph. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like I said, when I study through this, I really just try to put myself in the story as if I'm a participant there, just watching and walking through these things with these very real people, with very real emotions, and wondering, like, man, what would I be doing? I would be losing it. I would be probably, I don't even cry that much, but I'd be bawling my eyes out of like, holy cow. Like, what in the world is happening? Is this, like, candid camera? Like, what's, am I being punked? Or, like, what's going on here? Is this, it's like, undercover boss? It's like, wait, hold on. No, you're I'm Like, how is this? OK. But what does that mean? And that's what they're left with. That lingering question for the brothers is like, oh, but wait a minute. What does that mean for us? Because he's alive and he wants to see dad. I wonder if he's going to tell dad what we did to him, right? Joseph's not like that. He's not like that. Never a word. Never a word to his dad. Never a word. He forgave and he forgot in one sense. Not that he ever forgot it, but like, he moved on. He moved on. There are two things that I think we really, really could hold on to from those two chapters. Number one, it's learning from Jacob. You have to trust the Lord. Benjamin went to Egypt, and it looked like a mess. God was in control, and God was going to use that to get Jacob down to Israel to see his son, who once was dead but now is alive, and to save that nation. Let go and just trust the Lord. I know that's easier said than done. I know it's easier said than done. I almost don't like saying it because I understand how difficult it actually is to live that out. But it has to be said. Let go and trust him. And the other thing is, man, look at Judah. Look at Judah. Look at the change. Look at the transformation. Look what happened. Look how he blossomed. When Jacob did let go Judah blossomed as a result of that. He was able to finally step up and say, hold on. This one's on me. I'm going to lead this family. I'm going to do what's right. So it's almost as if Jacob hadn't let go, Judah might not have been able to do that. Let go, trust the Lord. You might have a Judah in your life, and you're like, I don't know what's wrong with this kid or what's going to happen, but let go and just watch what the Lord can do. Watch what he can do. We can all be amazed, all be amazed. I think he's done it in most of our lives. I'm a lot like a Judah. I'm more like a Judah than I am a Joseph. I know that for sure. Like, I'm a messed up guy. Like, But if anything good happens or if there's any leadership or any stepping up that happens within my life, it's all because of who Jesus is, period, period.
2: Hope to the hopeless hope-
0: There's so much to learn from the pages of Genesis, but sadly, that's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad you've spent your time with us today, and we'd like to take a moment and let you know how you can hear more of Pastor James Grizzle's teachings. Simply navigate to breadforthebroken.com and click on Teachings to access our archive. Feel free to share the teachings with your friends and family, or post them to social media. We love it when we can share the good news of the gospel with anyone and everyone, and you are a part of that. While you're at our website, you'll be able to discover more about the church behind the ministry of Bread for the Broken. Calvary Galveston isn't just another church in our city. We want to be a light for Jesus to all who enter through our doors. We love the Word of God, Jesus, the people of our church, and the people of our city. Do you live in Galveston, or are you visiting soon? We'd be honored to meet you in person. Calvary Galveston gathers for Sunday morning services at 10 a.m., Not too early, but in plenty of time to start the week out with worship. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed. Just come as you are. At our service, we search the scriptures for what God wants to teach us, and we spend time reflecting and celebrating Him through worship. Visit breadforthebroken.com for our address and to get more information. We're excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James Teaching. Join us again next time to continue through Genesis and find hope and new life in Jesus.